How many of you know he really is a way maker? Even when we can't see. You know what faith is? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And I want to pray for some in this room because some of us need to know that he is a way maker. He is a miracle worker. Amen. Will you pray with me? Father, there are some people that are here that are in a dark place. They are maybe in a hard place. They seem like they're in an impossible place. But God, we heard that we need to trust you. And God, we believe that you are the way maker. We believe that you are the miracle worker. Even when we can't see it, even when we can't feel it, God, we're going to lean in on you. We're going to trust your word. We're going to trust who you are, that you're a good God. And God, you know what we're going through. And I pray, God, that your mighty power would just uh, deliver uh, those who are in that place right now. Lord, we trust you. We're not going to give up on you. We're going to anchor our faith, our hope in your promises and your word in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. All right, Grace Family Church. Good to have all of you with us at Grace. Yeah, come on, Lutz, right here. Also, you know, with all of our campuses, I'm not going to mention everyone, but I will say something that Clearwater is kicking off. We're excited about what's going on at our Clearwater campus. Well, everyone give a big shout for our Clearwater campus. Yeah. You know, this series is called uh, In God We Trust. And uh, every year, we, we do a series on finances, and you can even feel sometimes people going, oh, are you kidding me? But in fact, if you're a guest with us, the good news, if you're a guest at Grace, and I realize some of you come in, and we do this once a year for three weeks, and so you just hit it right at the perfect time. But, but for, for our guests, you need to know, you, you get a, a pass in the sense of this is our home team. And we just want, I think you're going to learn a lot from it because I think God has a way for us to do our finances that can help all of us. But I just need you guys to kind of, you, you don't feel any obligation. Uh, the rest of Grace Family Church, I hope that you'll hear what God may be saying uh, to all of us today. But how many know that money creates tension? You know why I know that? I can see it in your faces right now. I purposely, I purposely, as people were walking in, I watched when they, they picked up the In God We Trust and they flipped it and I saw some people go. It's, just, it's kind of funny. It just creates, hey, money creates all kind of emotions, doesn't it? You know, it, it creates conflict, uh, lots of emotions, and, and, uh, and I understand that. And, uh, but I do know that if we would trust God and God we trust, I, I tell you, things can go a lot better for us. Here are some of my goals for you this series that I hope we can see happen, that you can eliminate financial stress in your life. Anybody like to see that happen? It can happen. You can be less stressful about finances, that you would experience God's faithfulness and provision in your life. That's part of God's plan, that you would be able to eliminate financial conflict in your marriage. I mean, they say over 50% of divorces are because of financial conflict. And so, uh, in fact, we got a class called Financial Freedom. I'll probably mention it again. You need to sign up for that class. It's, it'll help you in all these things I'm talking about. And, and another, our, another one of our goals is learning contentment. How many know it's hard to be content in the world we live in today? You know, the, the, the bigger, the newer, the shinier, we feel it, just that contentment factor. And for us, what we believe when you get a hold of this, what it does help us do, it helps us to execute the vision that God's called Grace Family Church to do. So as I look at this whole uh, subject, you know, when we talk about giving, I, I realize, again, for some of us, 
You may only be here one week. You know, some of us come once every two weeks, every three weeks. Some of you, you take your sabbatical during our February finance series, right? But so I'm going to give you, this is why we're calling this one the whole kitchen sink. We're just going to put it all together, and I believe you're going to get a lot out of it. So um, uh, if you have your notes, you can go online with your phone and on our app and get that and follow along with us. But, you know, it's interesting. We, we, we're going to talk about a couple areas. One is ownership, who owns it. But it's funny, we had a baptism uh, two or three years ago. And in this baptism, it was really strange what was going on. So I'd like you to watch this water baptism we were doing. Hey, George, how you doing today? I'm doing great. Are you excited about being baptized today? Oh, I am so excited about being baptized today. All this, this is my wallet. It's not being baptized. All of this is being baptized, but all of this stuff is the most important stuff in my life. See, that's yeah, no, good. You just let it go. I'm just going to put it right over there. It'll be fine. No, 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 no. It'll be no, waiting I, I, Now, let me hang on to put it. it over there. Sir, no. pastor, <laughs> reverend. <laughs> Thank no, you. No. That's really nice. No, no, I'm going to no, take give, give, no. Me, give me the wallet. Give, give, give it to me. Put it back on the side of the... Come on, you gotta laugh. That's funny, okay? It'll probably be the last time you laugh during this message, but uh, you know, it is true though. You know, the last thing that gets baptized is our wallet. It just is. I've been in ministry for 27 years. It, it's a challenge. It's a struggle for people, but I believe uh, that God can help you with that. Because here's what I know. There's one attitude. Who you believe owns it all determines how you will manage money. Who do you, who, whoever determines who owns it, if it's you or God determines how much and how generous you will be in your life. And Haggai, it says this, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. In Psalms 24, 1, it says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. We even all belong to God. So he truly owns everything, but you got to make a decision. Do I own it or does God own it? And I do know this, it's easier to give something away that doesn't belong to you. It's, just, it's the truth. If you believe you own it, it's harder. But if you truly believe God is the ultimate provider and that God owns it, it really is easier to, to give. In fact, I, I, I do this illustration. I want Kayla. I met Kayla before the service. I want her to come up. She doesn't know what I'm doing. I just said, Kayla, come on up. And I, I want you to just be part of my illustration. And she was a little nervous. Give Kayla a hand. Come on, give her a hand. She's, she's, she has no idea what we're going to do, right? You have no idea. And Kayla, but what I'm going to do is I, I got, this is, this is real money. It's not Monopoly money. That's $10, $50 bills. That's yours. Okay, go take it and go give her a hand. Go, go sit down. Yeah, all right. Go, yeah, yeah. No, there's no, no trick involved there. It's just, we, just that's what we want. I, I prayed before the service, God who, and, and, uh, and I guess it pays a, to sit towards the front. I don't know. You know, all those empty seats there, I'm, I'm just saying. But here's what we know. First uh, Chronicles uh, 29, uh, verses 14 and 15. Let me set up the story real quick. King David had just given one of the largest offerings ever given to build a temple. It was, it was literally in the billions of dollars, the entire offering of, in today's money. 
And his attitude was this in 1 Chronicles 29, verses 14 and 15. They're gonna put it on the screen. I want you to see his attitude. But who am I and who are my people that we should be permitted to give anything to you? Everything we have has come from, come on, everyone say it. Put your finger up here. Everything, everything has comes from you. It says everything we have has come from you and we only give you what is already yours. You see what he was trying to say? What I'm only giving you what was originally yours anyway. And if you can catch that concept of ownership that God owns it all, it'll help you understand the way God wants you to live your life. See, we have a choice. In God we trust or live a life of fear. It's, it's really, do I trust God or do, am I gonna live in fear? Um, I know that when I do this series every year, my wife always gives me a pup talk, says, Craig, don't be so intense. So I'm, she says, try to smile a few times. So I'm going to try a few times to smile for you. But here's what we do know. Truth hurts. It, it just does. I mean, you ever, I mean, I'll I, I be honest with you, the Super Bowl and the playoffs, I got on the scale the other day. Man, the truth hurt. I went, you got to be kidding me. There must be something wrong with the scale. No, it's something wrong with me. Okay, so the truth hurts, but knowing the truth will set you free. And, and it's kind of like, like I, I'm going to drill down. I'm just telling you, I'm going to drill down today a little bit. And it's like you're in a dentist chair, and I'm drilling down, and the bad news is there's no Novocaine. But the good news is, you know, that dentist, when you walk out of that chair, he, he helps you, right? So that's what I, that's what I, hope to do when I think about it. But God has a better financial plan for, your, for our lives. It's in Proverbs 3, verses 9 and 10. I love this. It, it says, honor the Lord by giving him, come on, everyone say it, the first part. Come on, South Tampa, the first part. Every campus, give them the first part. This is the biggest challenge people have. Trusting God always means putting God first. Whether it's in your relationships, in your finances, in your, I'm going to put God first. And he says, what happens when we do that? By giving him the first part of your income and he will fill your barns with wheat and barley and overflow your wine vats with the finest wines. The principle is trust God first and then he will provide. And that's not the order that people live out their finances. In fact, why don't we practice that? Right now, everyone get out their wallets. I'm kidding you, but I want Kayla. Kayla, come on back up here with, with that, with the money. Come on back up here. Ah, here we go. Yeah. Kayla, come back up here. Now, now, now we know earlier, I, 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 you know, we, I believe God kind of just provided her some money. Then there's 10, $50 bills in there, but let's follow what it says here. Honor the Lord by giving the first part. So the first part of the first 10% would be 50. So you mind giving me 50? How hard was that? All right, go. Go sit down. The rest is yours. Really, go be blessed. Amen? Yeah. Okay. And here, here are some of you going, that's easy to do. I could do that. I mean, if you gave me, I would give back 50. What's the difference? What's the difference in what I just did in the paycheck you get every two weeks? What's the difference between God providing for you every two weeks and what I just did with Kayla? See, now we, because we don't see it like that. We, we, the longer we have it, the longer we hold on to something, the more we believe that we own it. It was so easy for Kayla to do that because it was very evident to her she got something that wasn't hers. But is it any different? 
with our income, our jobs, our lives, our, we build a business, we, God gives us creativity to build, to sell, to do things. It still all comes from God. I got one amen. Any other campuses out there? Okay, it's all right. It's all right. We'll get through it. I know we will. Matthew 6.33 says this, but seek first, here it is again, his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things. Now, if you want to know what those things are, go back and read verses 22 through 32. The things are the needs that you have in your life. Jesus is saying, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. This idea of first the first part, the first fruit is all through the Bible. See, we put trust, we, we trust and put God first, and then he takes care of these things. See, I think what people think all the time, because we've done a lot of money management classes over the years, people think they have an income problem. I just need to make more money. Well, I believe most of the time, it's not that they need to make more money. We have a spending problem or a money management problem. See, what we need to learn to do, we need to learn. Now, this is, this is, this is so deep, what I'm going to say to you. We must learn to live on less than we make. Right? You, you go, Craig, what's the point? The point is 70% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. And, and we think, I just need to make more. And I think it's all about we should want to make more money, but you can have 40K or 50K or 80K, and if you don't learn to control your spending, you will always outpace your earnings. I talk to people, I mean, you'd be amazed at the conversation I've had, people that make 200K a year that are in financial distress because they spend more than they make. Now, here's, let's be clear, it's not wrong to have wants, it's unless your wants control your ability to tithe and to save. There's nothing wrong with wants. Proverbs 21.20 says, wise, wise people, who wants to be wise? It's not a trick question. Wise people live in wealth and luxury, but stupid people spend their money as fast as they get it. Now, you understand what, it, what, the, what the writer's trying to say is, one group learns how to manage what they have, and the other just spends everything they have. See, wealth is learning to create margin in your life, whatever your income is. That's what I really believe is saying. Trust plus self-control equals peace. Okay? Trust plus self-control. So Matthew 6.24 says this, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one uh, and despise the other. You cannot serve God and, and most people think it's going to say the devil. But he says you can't serve God and money or mammon or stuff. That's what he's talking about. See, we have to, uh, for Debbie and I, I'm going to tell you a little bit about our journey. Some of you have heard it before. But, but you have to begin to define in your life, whether you're single or married, you have to define the difference between a need and a want. That's huge. And they'll teach you this in this financial freedom class, the difference between a, a need and a want. And, and, and your needs and wants depends on your income. So we all have basic needs, right? A car, food, housing, clothing. But look at so, so a need might be a VW, but a want might be a BMW. You see the difference? Now, there's nothing wrong with a BMW if you have the appropriate income. The problem is some of us, we 
outspend our earnings. We live beyond our earnings. Or how about food, Outback or Burns? Or how about housing, 1,500 square feet or 3,000? Uh, clothing, TJ Maxx or Nordstrom's? See, all the ladies got that one. I, I don't know. I don't know what TJ Maxx. I, I've heard about TJ Maxx, but I don't know what it is. It's, it's, I know what it is. But anyway, so here, here's the idea that, that I'm trying to get across. It's about money management. And so Debbie and I, back in 1980, we got married, and my wife was a registered nurse, and I was a, I was a part-time youth pastor and trying to make it in the real estate industry when Jimmy Carter took over, and it was 17% interest rates. Great time to get into real estate. I can just tell you, things were very tight for us. I mean, it was very tight. And I remember that early on, we made a decision. It all starts with a decision. And it says, you make a decision today, you're full of baloney, Craig, and you walk out of here, you make a decision today, I want to honor God, maybe the way God wants me to. But we made a decision. We weren't going to let our wants control our ability to tithe. We just made that decision with God. We're going to put you first, and we're not going to let our lifestyle, our wants, our spending habits keep us from giving you the first part. Early in our marriage, and it's easy to say and hard to do, that decision requires dedication, it requires discipline, and it requires trusting in God's promises. And I remember we got tested many times. How many of you ever been tested when you finally decided, this, I'm going to put God first financially? Oh, man, it doesn't just start with blessings. Many times it was a test. In fact, the word tithe actually means test. It's one-tenth, which it's, ten is a sign of testing in the Old Testament. So Debbie and I had two really old cars. I mean, old cars. And, 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 and we got to the point in our lives where we really said we need another car. I mean, it was, it was getting bad. I mean, both of them were, were, were breaking down, but they were still running. But, but we, we, we started rationalizing in our mind that we can actually afford another car. But the problem is to get another car would mean a car payment, and that car payment would take the place of our tithe. And so we said either God is who he says he is, or not, we said, we're going to keep trusting, even though it doesn't look like God is working, that God is going to meet this need in our lives. And uh, eventually he did. It didn't happen right away, but eventually uh, that need was met. That's how we had to live our lives, uh, managing our budget. We said, you know what? We love to go to the movies, but back then, uh, a movie, I think, was $7 at night to go. This is a long time ago. But the matinees were three fifty. We go to matinee, and every once in a while we'd splurge and get popcorn, but very rarely. I mean, they charge right. And that's just how we. That's how we said we got to. I know that seems so foreign to some of us, but we can honor God if we get serious about how we spend and manage our our income. And I know there are other times when Debbie and I, our first apartment. Uh, Debbie and I, when we got married, we we, we got into this apartment. And, uh, and, and really, we had all used furniture. Everyone say used. I know that seems strange to a lot of people today because you got rooms to go that says, hey, don't pay for it now. You can pay for it in three years, right? I mean, it's, and I guess Debbie and I made a decision early on, and this is revolutionary. Maybe some of you have heard about this before. I know it's radical. Maybe you've never heard about this before, but we decided we're not, we weren't going to buy anything unless we could pay cash for it. <laughs> it, 
it's just, we decided we're not going to use a credit card because we know that that $3,000 couch on a credit card making minimum payments over the next seven years will cost me $8,000. We just, we, I'm not trying to do this to make, and I know it's really quiet at the Lutz campus. I don't know how it's sounding at the other campuses. But I'm just telling you, this is the beginning of real financial freedom. We don't always have to live like that. Debbie and I live a blessed life. And I, I can afford a new couch if I want one now and pay cash. But there are steps that we all take. We had to make a decision early on. And so that was just another example of the, of the used furniture. Uh, you know, kids, how many of you know, I know this is, some of you know this, kids cost money. Yeah. And I remember our, uh, we love our kids. And, and, but our kids, even at the age of four, five, six years old, began to create pressure on us to spend more than we should. They'd come home and say, Johnny, they have a Bush Gardens pass. So, well, I mean, that's not something that was in our budget. We just, and, and we'd go to, every once in a while, we didn't go out to eat very often, but we'd take them to McDonald's. This is back during the Happy Meal days, right? Or they market the Happy Meal. And we'd get there and they'd get a hamburger and water, you know, and they, we want a Happy Meal. So you don't need a Happy Meal. You're already happy. You don't need one. See, kids can create pressure and cost money, and, that, and they can get to the point where, where it actually can begin to erode away the tithe because, well, my kids deserve. No, no, no. I love my kids, but God is still first in my life. I honor God first in my life, not my kids, not my stuff. I honor God first. And that's what we had to do in our lives. I remember, God bless my mother who passed away uh, 15, probably 15 years ago. She was a garage sale queen. She would find incredible deals. And, and, and so kids growing up, how you know kids grow really fast? And, and we couldn't, and, and my, my mom would say, I found some brand new used clothes for the kids or shoes or whatever. Great. They didn't know any better. They didn't know. You know, and, and so they got a lot of garage sale clothes and, and, and none of them are in therapy because of it. None of my kids are like, I wore garage sale clothes and I feel like I have no self-image. Never had that problem with our kids. I, I'm, I'm being radical because sometimes we need to be radical. Some of us need to do some plastic surgery in our lives. And I'm not talking about the kind for your skin or whatever else. So we, we know that, and uh, we, 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 just, we just made a decision. We weren't going to put cars before our tithe. We weren't going to put kids before our tithe. And in those years, I can tell you, in those years, God was faithful, man. Faithful, and talking about a way maker, miracle worker, God did some amazing things with our finances. God was faithful to meet every one of our needs. Not all of our greed, but all of our needs. We saw it. Time and time again. And let me say it again. God is not opposed to us owning nice stuff. But not when our stuff owns us and limits our ability to honor God. It's, a, it's as simple as that. Ecclesiastes in 5.10 says, those who love money will never have enough. We need to do a love test. I think it's okay to like money, but to love money, because when you, when you love money, apparently there'll never be enough. You, there'll never be enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. 
I come back to this question as part of our series. In God, we trust. It's on our money. I wonder why our founding forefathers put it on there. I think they understood this principle, this foundational principle. It needs to be God first. Do we, do you trust God? It's easy to know if you trust God. You can look at your bank statement. No, you can look at your income tax return. I mean, that's easy to know if you trust God in your finances. There's tangible ways you can look at it. You know, some things are, ah, you don't know, but this way you can. Now, here's what, what I want to help us understand. I'm going to give you two ways people manage their money and how they spend it and how they prioritize it. They're going to put it, I believe, on the screen for you. The first way is a me first way. Now, again, I know this is hard. I know truth hurts. And, and the me first way is based either on fear, the fear of I'm not going to have enough, or greed. It's one of those two things. Because the me first way says I'm going to spend on me first and my lifestyle. I might save a little bit, and if there's anything left, I'm going to give some to God. That's, that's the me first life. I know that's hard to hear, but, but that's what it is. And then the God first honoring way, the God first way, it starts, it, it's a totally different order. It's saying, God, I'm going to give to God first, then I'm going to save, and then I'm going to spend my lifestyle. So now your lifestyle is adjusted by what you give and what you save, not the other way around. See, giving God the first part is totally opposite of letting God have some, maybe some of the leftovers, if he even gets that. So the, there's this idea of, of reversing the order, a God honoring, this is God's financial way for your life. And it really does work. God's way, God's promises really do work. So here's what we do. So how do we get started? I mean, how do I, listen, there's never, how many know there's never a good time to start? Well, I'll, I'll start next year when the kids are out of college or we'll start next year when this happens or when this, or it's like working out. When, there's never a good time to start working out. I'm going to start in two weeks because I've got this big dinner planned and I want to eat that cheesecake and, 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 and then and six months go by and you haven't started yet. There's never a good time to start. But the best time to start is today. You know, Satan's biggest ploy on believers is just do it tomorrow. Just do it tomorrow. Forgive that person tomorrow. Witness to that person tomorrow. Just, just do it tomorrow, where I believe God is a God of today, and it takes faith and trust to do it God's way. Now, even Paul says this in 1 Corinthians, here's, here's a, a way we can do it. Now, regarding your question about the money being collected for God's people in Jerusalem, you should follow the same procedure. Come on, everyone say procedure. See, we need to set up a, a procedure, a, a not something that's spontaneous and emotional, something we go, okay, this is what I'm going to begin to do on a regular basis. Procedure I gave to the churches in Galatia. On the first day of each week, you should each put aside a portion of money you have earned. Don't wait until I get there, then try to collect it all at once. So he's saying, look, I want you to set it aside because by the time I get there, you might be tempted to do what? Spend it. So you set it aside. You know the word holy actually means to set aside, that holy means unique and, and set apart. Did you know that the tithe is considered holy in Leviticus? You set it aside. It's holy before God. And so we see this idea of prioritizing the first day of the week, setting aside a portion. And you know, we have technology today, don't we? 
I mean, how many of you know you started your, your retirement program because they took it out before you saw it come out of your paycheck? And that, that technology is great. And you can do that the same way online at Grace Family. You can, you can set it aside by, by using technology. And it, and it actually helps you from being tempted to spend something. So we, we set it aside. We prioritize it. We, we set it aside. And then we say, God, we're going to trust you. Now, I know this is overwhelming because there's people on every campus going, man, I, I, there's no way because my money management. Well, that's why we have a class for you, Financial Freedom which will help you get some things done the right way so in, ten, five, in a year, two years, three years, you begin to see a difference. It's funny, uh, before the service, I was talking to a couple and they, they had saw the, uh, and they said, we're almost there. I love what they said. They said, we're almost there. We're, we're not at 10, but we're almost there. But it's a place to start, right? You, you start somewhere, and I love that. That's, that's so encouraging. Here's what Paul says. He, Paul kind of uses a farmer's analogy. And this is the promise for you. Here's a farmer analogy that the Apostle Paul uses because he says this, when you plant seed, he says this, and God will generously provide all you need. See, a farmer knows this. What does a farmer know? If you don't plant, there's no what? There's no harvest. You can, you can believe all you want, but if you're not planting seed, there's no harvest. And he relates money to seed in this analogy. Read with me. And God will generously provide all you need then you will always have everything you need, and I love this part, and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever, for God is the one who provides seed, here it is, seed, for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then you will produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way. All of us want this. Every one of us want this promise in our lives, but it doesn't happen unless we do it God's way. He says, yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous and when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. I love that. So everyone pull this out for a minute. This is a little thing we did several years ago. It's called a 90-day tithe challenge. Go ahead and pull it. It's not going to bite you. It's not going to burn your finger. Just pull it out for a minute. This is not something you're turning into us, by the way. This is between you and God. I just want to talk for a moment. If you don't believe what I'm saying was true, then just rip it up. Really, just tear it up. It's, it's baloney. It's just a preacher trying to get more money so we can have a Swiss condo or a Lamborghini, whatever you want. You can, you can go, but you know, you can have to make a decision. Either we believe God's way or we continue to maybe do it our way. See, I know this, that the, the original tithe challenge was not made up by me or a church in Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 through 11. They're going to put it on a screen, but there's, you got to understand the backdrop. God said, You're, my people have gone far away from me. I want them to return. I want my people to return to me. And they said to God, how must we return to you? And remember what God's talking about, their hearts. Your hearts are far from me. But you know what God realized, and he knows, not realized, that our hearts are always tied to our stuff. And, and he says this, to this group of people. 
Will a mere mortal rob God? You rob me because you, but you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You're under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Keep going. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse and there may be food in my house. Test me, here it is. That's what he's saying, test me. Let me prove to you that I am a God that can provide. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent inflation from devouring your income. Oh, is that what it says? You, you just gotta, listen. I, I believe that God's a supernatural God in every area of our lives, and I believe he can be financially too. And it says, I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. This is God. This isn't Craig. These are the words from God. We can choose to believe them or not. And I don't want to get into an argument or a debate with people, well, tithing's in the the Old Testament, not in the New Testament. Well, you need to read your New Testament, Matthew 23, 23. Jesus confirms tithing. But I don't want to get into that. I just want us, you know, God wants our heart. God wants our heart. And I tell you what, if you want to experience faithfulness and peace in your life and your finances, there's a way you can begin to do it that's going to leave you in a better place today than you were. So I think about this, and I realize there are, there are people on all of our campuses. You're so overwhelmed. This message has stressed you out, and it's not meant to stress you out. Really, it isn't. I'm trying to give you a way out, a way maker, a way that God plans for you. I don't want you feeling stress. I want you to know, though, that we need to begin to trust God. We do need to begin to put God first. And when I mentioned a tithe is 10%, you, some of you are like, there's no way. We don't even have that in our budget. Then start somewhere. Say, God, we're going to honor you. I, I, I wish we could do 10, but we can't. God, we're going to commit 2%, 3%, 1%. And that's why we put this on the card. It says, I am going to trust God and take the 90-day challenge by giving him the first. You put it in there. And you put this on the refrigerator. I'm not going to see it. Only God sees it. We're not having you sign it and turn it in. No one's going to call your house. It's between you and God. They say, God, I want to begin to do it your way because our way hasn't been working and we need to do it your way. And so whatever that percentage is, some of you who are already giving, maybe God's saying, I I will give to God a percentage of my income and I'm going to trust God by increasing my giving too. Because many of you, you know, you want to get there and you, you, you do need to increase what God is calling you to do. We can can have two things control us. Fear can control us and keep us from doing what God wants us to do or greed can control our lives. But it's your choice. Listen, man, Grace Family Church goes forward, okay? We're, We're not in a crisis. We're not in a financial crisis. I'm telling you, you may not believe this. This is more for you than for anybody else. But there are many people that could stand up all across this room and said, I've never missed the 10%. God has gone so far beyond. How many know God's math doesn't make sense? God says, no, no, actually, when you give me the first part, you'll live better on the 90% than you do on the 100%. That's just, that's just the God we serve. Not saying there's not tests along the way. Not saying there shouldn't be some dedication and some discipline. That's why, again, a financial freedom class strongly encourage you to attend. But we encourage you on every one of our campuses, take the tithe challenge. Here's what we said. It's not on here, but I'll tell you this. If in 90 days, 
You don't see the tangible faithfulness of God in whatever you're giving, we'll give it back to you. Here, no questions asked. We did that five years ago. And I think over a thousand people started doing it above our normal people. And I had one phone call, one phone call. And the guy said, man, did it, not working. You know, I said, no questions asked. Every dime he gave, give it back to him. One out of a thousand. We know, hey man, we know God's a big God. We know he's a way maker. We know God's desire is to bless his children. But you know, there's a way that God wants to honor him. And this is one of those areas. So let's pray all of our campuses right now. Just kind of hold that card in your hand. Father, I pray in Jesus' name for every person on every campus. I pray for every single mom who feels like, oh, there's no way. I pray for every married couple who have kids who are getting braces and kids going to college. I pray for every businessman, God, who makes uh, lots of money. And they struggle with the idea of 10% because they're looking at the amount and not the percentage. Lord, I just pray that more than anything, they'd be obedient to you. More than anything, God, they begin to trust you. More than anything, they would put you first in their finances. But God, there are people here that have not put you first in their lives. Jesus, you're more of an add-on. They come to church maybe here and there and they kind of dip their toe in, but God, they're not really all in. They haven't really surrendered their heart, their life to you, Jesus. They haven't really said, I'm going to follow you, Jesus. I'm, I'm all in with you, Jesus. I'm going to trust you right now, Jesus, to be not just my Savior, but the Lord of my life. I want, to, I want you to be that person who I follow, that person who I, my king. I want to follow your orders, Lord. So I pray for that one, Jesus, who has never gave their life to you, Jesus. Because way more important than anything is that people give their hearts to Jesus. And if that's you right now on every campus, never surrendered your heart to Jesus. Today's your day. The Bible says today's the day of salvation. Now's the appointed time. You can just pray this with me if you like on every campus. Jesus, I trust you today. I give you my life, not part of it, not some of it. Jesus, I commit my whole life to you. I ask you, Jesus, to come into my life. Take control of every day of my life. I thank you for the forgiveness of sins that you give me through the cross. And thank you for the resurrection power that I receive when I accept you. Jesus, fill me with power so I can begin to live my life for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now on all of our campuses, our campus pastors will come up at this time.